This is a Podfire production. This podcast may include explicit themes or swearing and may not be suitable for children. The world is full of amazing people, and once a week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Humans. G'day guys on today's Awesome Humans. It's a bit of a rerun. I stuffed up. Yep, I'll put my hand up. I did one of these during COVID and forgot to push record. What an idiot. Anyway, in today's episode of Awesome Humans, I'm joined by Mark Nuss. Mark is a destiny rescue for an Australian not-for-profit organisation dedicated to fighting and trafficking the sexual exploitation of children in seven project nations around the globe. Mark has carried a very deep interest and compassion for the underprivileged and vulnerable for most of his life and has a passion for making a difference. This is seriously one of the best stories I've ever heard and I had to get him back in the studio to then tell it again. So, g'day Mark, how are you, mate? Hey, good day. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. No worries at all. I'm really sorry I forgot to push record. No, no, no. (laughs) I do blame myself. However, I do also blame the technology and I blame COVID because everything else is blamed on COVID at the moment, isn't it? Oh, totally. And (laughs) and you know what? I think this is just great. I can actually meet you in person. Last time we had to do it over Zoom. So exactly. It's much better now. And this is our first time we've ever gone live on uh, with with the video podcast. So that's a bit exciting as well. (laughs) (laughs) So, mate, let's let's start at the very beginning. What's your first ever memory? Well, let me start with the start with Destiny Rescue got started um, over 18 years ago by yep. a gentleman called Tony Kerwin. Yep. And um, how it started is he, he was working with another organization in Thailand and he was sitting at a bar and he overheard uh, uh, somebody in the bar, another gentleman, just bragging to somebody else about that he was offered children a child to have sex with. Okay, so a child, how old is a child classified as? Well, okay, well, from our side, it is all ages to up till 18. 18, yeah. okay, so under 18, yeah. Yeah, under 18, just like in, in all other countries, and it's illegal to, in, in, a lot of people think it's not illegal in these countries, but it is illegal if you have sex with a child under 18 years old, it, it's illegal to have it's sex. It's also sick. Yes, but it anyway. is, but, but you yeah. know. And um, so he overheard this, and so that really affected him being a father of daughters himself, and and he started researching and realized that, that was this was a good a big pro- um, problem and a growing problem, and so out of that he started Destiny Rescue. And Destiny Rescue actually started out of Southeast Queensland, out of the Sunshine Coast. So Destiny Rescue, why Destiny? Do you know? Because it is to the our whole premises is to rescue children that were forced have been forced to do something that they never ever dreamt in their whole life to be involved with and forced to do and rescue them and put them in a position where they can actually choose their own destiny. Love it. Yep. So therefore, Destiny Rescue. Love it. Okay, we're going to get into Destiny Rescue a lot more shortly, but mm-hmm. your accent doesn't mean you're from the Sunshine Coast. No, definitely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> so where were you born? What's your background? Yeah, I was born in South Africa mm-hmm. and so and grew up in South Africa. Where in South Africa? Oh, kind of all. I was born in Durban, then okay. raised in Cape Town and ended up um, in Johannesburg. So so everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> and, and then studied in, in, in back in Cape Town and also in Johannesburg and then Worked in the uh, worked uh, for a short period in the legal profession. Came for a three month holiday here to Australia, and was very fortunate to walk into the right door and got sponsored in. And nice, yes. 
So back when you were a young fella mm-hmm. and you're in South Africa, yep. that would have been back in some of the sort of more scary times in South Africa, wouldn't it? Well, we're, when I the final place that I worked was in in Johannesburg, and I worked in an area called Hillbrow and a few places like that. That was. That, that was yeah. There, there, there are a few things there that you know you had to have eyes behind your uh, behind your back. Yeah. And um, and also uh, part of my work was I had to go into buildings that the police even refused to go into. Oh wow. So so I kind of saw or, or that kind of prepared me a little bit for so what you was what was to come. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so. But how, how do you get prepared for that? Like for instance, as a kid growing up. Um, in in South Africa, yeah. and you you moved around a fair bit. Yeah, sounds yeah. like. Yeah. What what was that like as a kid? What what, what is it like? Oh, I've never really spoke to someone yeah, specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. about growing up in South Africa because yeah. we all hear the bad stuff. Yes. But there's also obviously good stuff. Oh as no, well. there was there was all good stuff. You know, great parents, um, 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 great network around me. Um, and I grew up in the in the in in what was the apartheid years. So you, after a while, when you start kind of learning to think for yourself, you realise that there was a clear segregation. Yeah. And so, and so then I was. Forced so was that in schools and everything as yes, well? Yes, in schools totally. You okay. know, all white school and even in neighbourhoods. And so, and so uh, when when. When changes started happening, and the first time I could vote was actually for the referendum to change. Oh wow! Yes, so there was a whole generation then that that voted for change and said, "No, we we cannot have this hap- keep on going with the the way apartheid's been going." But and as a as a white kid getting brought up in a white environment in a white yeah. school and all that sort of stuff, did you know any different? Like we were you taught? Like I, I, that's yeah, the bit I don't get. Yeah, no, it depends. I think on your independent, on your parents. Yeah. And so my parents were, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough that my parents were pretty, probably I would say, uh, open-minded and liberal in their context, and always, you know, they told us this is this is not the way the world runs. Okay. This is not so you the were educated works. from an early yeah, age. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so I was fortunate uh, in in that sense, and and quite a few of my peers in in schools the similar thing that they. That we all we all basically came to the, our own conclusions yep. that this is not the right way. This is not how to treat a fellow human being, and so so that's why I think there was, especially with the referendum in South Africa. I can't remember the numbers, but quite a majority of the of the younger people who could vote were the ones who voted said this has got to change. Make the change. Yes, yeah. we've got to make the change. And so have they made the change? Well, they did, and and obviously, with any changes like this, problems happen, and yeah. so you'll have different parties that are obviously uh, um, there's, there's there's still forms of racism and everywhere, and, everywhere. and so and and that only, at the end of the day, you can tell people what to do, but it's what people choose to do is yeah, that makes course. the difference, and yeah. people have got to you know renew, change their their own mindsets, and if they don't want to change their mindset. It, nobody's going to change it for them. So the, re- the reason I ask this is because I've heard your story, and yep. we're going to we're going to go through your story. Yep. And I find it really interesting that of how you got there, how you get there, and how you deal with stuff now. And what I believe is that we learn a lot of stuff as kids, yep. and we're put into situations as kids, whether it's our parents, whether it's the people we grow up around, mm. our friend unit, all that, that have certain beliefs and certain ways of the world. Yeah. And to grow up in a country like you did. And have that in the back of your mind, but then yeah. also experience that. Yeah. Then also opens your eyes to the real world. Yes, yes. And enables you to actually move forward. Yeah. At the same time, and then obviously, then you went to university and you yeah. became a lawyer, and and then you sort of, as you mentioned a minute ago, is you're going into buildings where police won't even go, but 
that's the sort of person that you are. Yeah, well, that's... And you haven't changed. No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. Because one of the things that, that you have as soon as you meet you, you can he's just a kind-hearted bloke. You just get that aura from you when, when you actually okay. talk to someone. And I think it's a bit unfair for me because I've heard the story, but yeah. at the same time I think it's really interesting that when you're a kid you learn this, when you're a, a, an adolescent you learn this, as you get older you're still learning and learning and learning. Oh, totally. We learn every day. Oh, we've got to continue learning. We never. 100%. If you stop learning that's when uh, I believe ignorance starts kicking in and when you get settled in, in your ways of thinking I think you've always got to be open to keep on learning. Oh, 100%. And, but I think this also is the reason why what you do now is so important because these people are taking the childhood away from yes. these kids who totally. don't then get to do that growing up bit, yeah, right? that's right. So therefore they actually end up where they end up because yeah. of what happened to them yeah. before. And I find it really interesting that from South Africa and you grew up through that, yeah. that, that you've experienced all that and that's another reason why you do what you do. Yes, that's right. And and I've seen and, and I've seen in, inequality. Growing up in South Africa, you can't help but seeing inequality as you grow up mm-hmm. and seeing seeing what poverty does to people, the decision making processes that they've that they're forced into. Like in South Africa, uh, um, and this is like a lot of nations, and that's why I think we're so fortunate. I, I think Australia is one of the top five best places to live in the world. It's, I top, think. it's the best place. Yes. And I, yes. And, <laughs> it's and number one of those top well, five. <laughs> for me, it's number one. And we're so fortunate with the social network we've got yeah. and everything in this. Uh, we're in South Africa, basically, you don't work, you don't eat. There, yes. there is no there is no middle way. There's no, you know, the government tries their best, but the, the little bit they give, you can't you you can't live on it. So it's 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 basically literally you don't you don't work, you don't eat, and and unfortunately there's high high un- unemployment, and so then it forces people to make decisions that they probably would have not made. Yeah. And and the thing I've learned is, is you just never can judge a person on at that face value when you meet them and they make certain decisions that you won't agree with. You you just don't know there's such unless. You walked in their shoes long yeah. enough, you, you can't know what brought them to that decision-making process. But you look at it yourself. You've got a family yes. and you look what you do for that family and you would do that. Like it's that simple. Like yep. if, if you're in a position where you can't eat but you've got to feed your kids, you'd feed your kids no matter what. Oh, totally. No, and and you can actually saying, yeah. you can understand why, and I'm not condoning yeah, yeah, any no, of this, this no, behaviour, but no. at the same time, do you think it's something that can be resolved or it'll never be resolved? With human trafficking with children? No, I'm talking about with South Africa. Oh, with South Africa. I believe it will, but it's a long road. It's it's part of its education, uh, the new generations, and there's a new generation that's coming through, and the new generation, you know, I can't talk for them, but of course from, from what, from, just from what I can see, the new generation, they, 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 they're wanting to just get on with it. They said, you know, the past is the past, yes. We, 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 uh, where we grew up, you know, we've been raised now in a, in a more free society, but we can't hold on to the old hurts. We just want to move on with it. Yeah. We want to see growth. And, and and so they want to see changes even like they want to see – because unfortunately what's happened is also a lot of corruption came in and a lot of other things. And But but the new generation have had enough of that as well. And they're educated and they, they want to make the right decisions. So I think I believe there's hope for South Africa, definitely. So and and, and my people... brother and his family lives there uh, and, and my parents still live there. So yeah. it's, you know. And are they seeing the difference? Yes, they can see the difference, but they can see both sides. There is still, in certain places, there's still corruption that we're yeah, dealing with. But we're, there's a president at the moment there that is really trying to, uh, to, 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 to bring a change of, uh, you know, of the past corruptions and trying to bring change. And COVID's already, like it's affected everywhere else, it will just really affect South Africa as well. So, 
And, but, but it's interesting also, COVID's obviously affected the world. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also given people time to sit back and think. Yes, oh, it's, totally. It's given time people to sit back and actually go, well, how do we fix this? Like there was a lot of knee-jerk reactions that happened uh, from March onwards this year. Yeah. And there's a lot of those, those, those things that happened that they sit there and go, oh, dear, maybe we could have done that better. Yes. And I think if they learn from that and actually do it better, yeah. then that's not a bad thing. Oh, totally. But, I mean, who would want to be a leader in this uh, in this oh, environment? No. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you're caught between a rock and a hard place. Whatever decision you're going to make, you're going to have naysayers or, exactly, you know. And, right. and you don't know what the consequence – and a lot of them, they don't know what the consequence no, really will be of it because – but they trying their best to make decisions. So I take my – I truly am like, man, I wouldn't want to be a leader in this environment. But no, exactly. Yeah, and but, the, the, then they put politics out the window for a little while. Yes. back now. But yeah. they put it back out Which for a little great. while. Which was great. Which was awesome. Yeah, and the everybody loved was it. such a better place oh, because totally. it was like, yeah, we agree with that yeah. as opposed to, yeah, we do, but we're going to say we don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, which is what a lot of this shit's about. Oh, totally. But anyway, so you've, you've come to Australia. Yep. You've now moved into uh, – you've you sort of walked in the right door at the right time. Yep. Um, were you married before you came to no, Australia? No, no, no. So, so uh, you I, I, lit- I literally came for a three-month holiday and, and that was the idea. But I came and – On your own? Yes, and I didn't know – I, I didn't know about um, – well, on my own at that stage, uh, I had a, a Swedish girlfriend and her parents were actually here and that's what brought us here. They, okay. were, tra- they were traveling themselves around the world and so we decided we'll meet up here. Yeah. And I liked it and wanted to stay and she wanted to go back to Sweden and so we kind of parted ways, uh, you know, after six months or, or a little bit longer. But, yeah, and so I only met my wife then probably about, you know, probably – a little while later, yeah, and um, and initially we were just friends, but how did you meet your wife? Oh, it's uh, what, what actually of all places I I, I met her. Uh, um, I walked into uh, um, I walked into a church. Oh wow! And and she was the worship leader, and I thought, man, well, <laughs> <laughs> coming back here, <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's how I met her. And wow. so Yes, and so um, and then now. Happily married, yeah. and I dre- definitely, I definitely uh, punch above my weight. With, yeah, I may say, oh, I, 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 I'm I, I, I hit the jackpot with my wife. Definitely, I, I had 24 <laughs> years yesterday. I'm still bad above <laughs> <Yeah>. my weight. <laughs> yes, totally, totally. So, did you get down on one knee to do the right thing, or had to do the whole proposal thing? Yes, I actually, uh, um, I had. To, we went to. We actually went to the Versace Hotel. Oh, and yes. oh well, right. you know, <laughs> punching above your weight, I had to make sure I did a great exactly. real yeah, yeah. Make sure she can't say no. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and proposed to her there, and I did go down on my knee. Oh, well done. Yes, and and she did say yes, thank God. <laughs> and, yes, yeah, so that's that's how we, you know, got married. And now and kids? We've got four children. We've yeah. got uh, um, one son and three daughters. And so, which age groups? How's it go? Who's the oldest? The girls or boys? The boys, the oldest, and then three girls. uh, uh, Yes, and three girls. So two of them are just out, are newly out of school. Yeah. And then we've got um, our youngest is ten years old, and the next one is twelve. Okay. So So you're going again? Yes, basically. (laughs) So so lots of uh, lots of drives to the school and back. Oh, indeed. But we're the the same. We've got uh, 11, 12, 16, and seventeen. Oh, there we go. So it's similar sort of thing. Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Yes. It's a it, nice way to put it. It definitely is. But but I really tried to, like I took my, to, to, took the two little ones uh, um, to South Africa uh, just a couple of years ago. Awesome. And I wanted to show them uh, um, and I purposely drove through some of the townships yeah. and tried to show them how majority of the world actually live. Mm. 
You know, we, we take for granted and I wanted to show them what they have here. I said is, yes, it's your reality, but it's not real for the rest of the world. Oh, I agree 100%. And so the things that you find as a problem is truly, I know it's old saying is first world problems, but I try mm. to bring things in perspective because, you know, it started getting that age where, you know, it's about, you know, wanting a mobile phone and yeah. different things. Oh, Steve, they've got a better mobile phone than me. Oh, well, these kids don't have a house. <laughs> <laughs> the price of that phone could buy them a house. <laughs> so I really wanted to show them, you know, and and, and like my the, the older kids know, but the, but the two youngest ones still don't know exactly. They just know daddy helps children. Okay. And and because I don't want to traumatize my oh, own children no, no, yeah. with, with the stuff that that I that I've seen since since I've been with Destiny Rescue. So. so you were a lawyer. You came to Australia. You're now married. We've got kids. We're all good. Are you still a lawyer? No, no, no. Did no. you have a lawyer in Australia? No. Uh, what I did is how I got in is a, a developer wanted to start his own in-house counsel because dealing with law cases and and he would the lawyers basically would tell him okay these are the boss pathways you can choose but you've got to choose and he yep. was like i don't know what the half of what they're saying so i need somebody to be the in between who can actually make the proper decisions on this exactly. so so and that's how i got sponsored in so yeah no for me to want to if i wanted to come back into the legal profession i had to restudy um, don't do that. Yeah, I started doing my master's in international finance and trade law at Bond, but uh, halfway through, just with work and things got so busy, I kind of had to put a halt on that. Um, but it's, uh, I love what I do. So that's good. So and, and, and I think that's a really good segue into let's find out what you actually do. Yes. <laughs> one one of the things that when I first heard about you, and uh, a mutual friend introduced us, and. Uh, and it was like, you've got to speak to this bloke. He looks after kids who are sex trafficked in Thailand. I'm sitting there, whoa, hang on a minute. What a story. Like that, that's to, to understand what it actually means. And obviously we've got our own children. Yep. So I think it even hits a bit closer. Like it's oh, a bit, it, it makes does. it real. Oh. Um, I, th- I think it's insane. So yeah. there's the bloke sitting in the bar and he, and he overhears... The, yeah. uh, the Tony Kerwin. Tony yes. Kerwin and, and Destiny Rescue starts. Destiny Rescue starts. And How do you start in Destiny Rescue? How what, did I start? What, what's, tell me that story. All right. The story there is that um, one of my best mates and still one of my best mates, um, he was uh, he uh, he and took his family to move to Thailand in uh, um, um, oh, it was about 2011 and uh, he moved with his family to Thailand to go and actually work at our rescue centre there. Okay. And and um, and we've got a couple of rescue centres, but he went to they went to work at, at one of them in, in northern Thailand. And and my wife and I actually that's how we got introduced to Destiny Rescue, and um, and we actually started donating to you know help them and support them to go there. And so my journey started from actually becoming a donor. To Destiny Rescue. So, and what was that like? Like a charity donation yes. that you made. Yes. So you heard about this group and what they were doing. And thought, yes. Oh wow, that's really. And cool. my friend Let's said what he was going to do there. You know, him and his wife are moving with his whole family there to go and help at the rescue center, and and that's how you know his name is Cole, and and that's how how I got introduced to Destiny mm-hmm. Rescue, and I was like, wow, what an organization. So, so I started the journey actually from a from a donor's point of view because it's Destiny Rescue is one hundred percent not for profit, so we don't get government help from from any side. It's one hundred percent funded by donors from okay. every normal mom and dad donors and we're a tier one registered organization here in in um, not-for-profit here in Australia so okay. so, so it's a charity so people can claim that yes, back on tax that's right so. that's right so so yes 
And um, so, so you, you're a donor. You yes. go home and you tell the wife, hey, look, there's this really cool thing we need to donate this because we're going to save people's lives and do that. She's like, yeah, oh, that's wonderful. Um, then when do you decide, well, actually, I want to get involved? Well, what happened is so we went down that journey for a couple of years and then out of the blue I got a call from Destiny Rescue and they said, listen, we, we, do you want to do more? And... And they said, we, we need somebody to be at that, you know, the, the role at that stage was a business development manager and and said, do you want to you get involved with it and help us you know, spread the news and and just help us in different ways? And and I immediately said yes. The conversation was <laughs> like, I mean, they, they were... Before the phones hung up, yep. <laughs> yeah, they, they were like, I said yes, where do I sign up? And and then I, like just before it was finished, I said, wait a minute, I better talk to my wife, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Honey, we're moving to Thailand. <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's some decision making here, and and so I just said, okay, listen, yes from me, but let me first just talk it through with my wife, and I'll let you know. And and, and I spoke to my wife, and it was also immediate yes. And so, um, so what did that involve? The role as a business development manager. Yeah, so that was to to kind of spread the news because we were one of the so to raise funds. To raise, that was about? yeah, to raise yeah. funds and also uh, raise awareness. Mm-hmm. So to be able to speak at different organisations like Rotary Clubs and that to because I think we're one of the best kept secrets in Australia. Without doubt. And 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 like I said, we've been Destiny Rescue has been operating over eighteen years. Wow. So so we're not a newbie, just on the new kid on the block. We've you know eighteen years is already a good track record, and we operate in seven different countries. Um, and and so so part of it is just do the, exactly this, spread the news, and thanks so much for the opportunity mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Because I think a lot of people just don't realise the, the the severity of the problem oh, out there. Of course. There. And um, and also I've had the privilege to be able to go to Thailand and Cambodia and go and do undercover work with our permanent undercover guys. So this is the bit that really got me when we had this initial conversation. Yeah. Is you actually then get to go and experience this. And yes. when I say experience, it's not a good thing. No. It's actually going and do that. We're gonna you're gonna tell me that story in a sec. Yeah. When you go home from that, yeah. how much harder do you hug your kids? Oh. Massively. <laughs> and and still now because we you know, we we up to we, we we see things can roll in the whole time from different parts in the in the world where yeah. we operate. So so we get uh, we get kind of like lie, you know play by play what's happening there out on the field, and so so for us it's 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 uh, um so it's a lot of times we we I, I get to see the good good stories, yeah, but yeah. I also get to hear about the sad stories as well. So so, so let, tell me the first story. You 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 get this call. You're going to go and okay, I'm going to go undercover. How do you break that one to the wife? Well, I'd explain to my <laughs> wife going there and, and explain. Honey, I'm going to Thailand, I'm going into a bar. I'm going to go. Yes. Like, I, I think initially uh, my wife, or because we've already been on this journey yeah, of this yeah, rescue, so she she had an idea what to but, – but I did tell her, I said, listen, when I come back, I've got to be able to debrief with you. And and that was a little bit tougher to, mm, you know, sure. to, to go through because – um, like I said, I had the privilege to go in Cambodia and Thailand and, and, and specifically in, in, in Peria uh, uh, to go undercover with, with our so uh, undercover guys. Tell me, tell yeah, me so, that story. Yeah, so just to lead into the story mm. is, is we've got uh, two four main forms of rescue. So our guys, we'll go into brothels, bars, karaoke bars, you name it. Our guys will go in. We go in as sex tourists. So we'll go into these places undercover. What's a sex tourist? Well, see... 
sex tourism is actually a huge industry, right? And um, the I believe it's the Sydney Morning Herald had it guesstimated that about a hundred thousand men uh, travel to I think this was just Thailand alone. Never mind all the other countries per annum for sex tourism. Australian men or so Australian men? That's just Australian men. We're 100, not talking hundred thousand yeah. Australian men, and that's just to Thailand. So travel to Thailand to have sex with kids. Well, with. Adults and kids. So we can't just say it's all just kids. It's adults and kids. Sex okay. tourism. So they go to this karaoke So is that a thing? It's like, like, do I have sex flight centre? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. is there actually a sex tourism well, company? Well, so well, that no, no, but... I don't mean that derogatory to flight No, center, but, but actually, funny, funny enough, if you search on the internet, you'll find some places where they'll say, oh, you know, little forums where they talk about go to this place or that place and people, you know, it's... it's it's When you go into the wow. internet, you can see everything and there's also a dark web spot a part of the web as well that which I might if, if you don't mind talk later on about cyber 100% yeah uh, we just did our first cyber rescue just before the flights and that got closed down so because we've we'll we, get to that yeah we'll get to that so <laughs> so, so, so so that's what a sex tourist is yes. a sex tourist is someone that pays to go overseas to then have sex with someone yes and unfortunately part of that is with children so and so you've got so we go into bars brothels act like and we'll be looking for children specifically that mm-hmm. have been trafficked into these places and then forced to obviously having sex with dirty johns and and then we've got another component which is called raid rescue so those are one-on-one we'll go in and rescue one child pull them out and then go back and pull another child out etc but then we've also got raid rescues now raid rescues is when we work with um, specialist police force units in, in these different countries whether it's federal or even specifically created ones that deal with this like in the philippines is the national bureau of investigation mm-hmm. and a few other units that we work very closely with and we'll go and and even in thailand we'll if if we do organize some of the the federal thai police will actually fly in specifically and do de, uh, do certain uh, um, raids with us and so what we do is we we get all the information together and we set up a sting with them and once a child once we've purchased a child uh, the, the police raid the whole place and therefore we can rescue everybody that's in there so everybody okay. that's been trafficked gets yep. re- rescued and then they then we get the place shut the police shut the place down and the and the managers and owners go to jail okay so and what about the people that are in there the, the what the children the that, sex tourists well they also they also get themselves in trouble. So they also get taken to the police station. And then the police take it from there. Okay. Those that they can prove because our whole case that we've built up in evidence is showing the actual you know the we trafficking traffic. Yeah. So we close it down. But you can't you know it's 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 already a lot of a man hour goes in just to get that. So whoever's there on the day obviously gets caught in the net, and then the police work out who they can what, put a yeah. case against, who they can't. You know, you know how people some people obviously will just declare, oh, I was just walking yeah. in. Yeah, so, so that component we we don't have any control over. So there are two types of raids. Yes. Okay. So now so, you so, you get a call and say, do you want to come undercover? So I, I go and I, like I said, it's a massive privilege to go with our permanent guys that are there because they go seven days a week. Every night they go in, into these different bars. So and how bottles. do the guys in the bars not know who these guys because are? Because they because we go and we look like the best defence is to look like a sex tourist. Yes, to look like you you there for a good time. Okay. And so you kind of take on the persona of you, you're there just for a, for a good time. So you're jo- jolly and, you know, you're... Getting order, on the sauce, doing yeah, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so because 
in 18 years, we've learned what works and doesn't work. Yeah, of course. And I can't go into too much detail. No, Obviously, I don't, don't want to give away our trade secrets. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we've worked out exactly how to do it. In the beginning, in the early days, the guys had nice pulled out on and, and oh, once they shots fired at. And so learned very quickly what works and what doesn't yeah, work, yeah. you know. And, and so anyway, so, you know, like the thing that drives me, not only is, is all the children rescue, but each one of us that works with Destiny Rescue and, and you know, I, I'm so in awe with everybody that's involved with this organization. And um, and Tony Kerwin still, just want to put that, uh, you know, the head of the organization, still goes out and goes on rescues. Wow. He doesn't sit somewhere uh, dis- uh, totally detached from it. He still yep. goes out most nights. He'll go out uh, um, when he can and, and go on re- uh, 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 rescues. So um, so anyway, got and, and my story, one of my stories is in Patia. Uh, we went into one of the spas and you get a lot of these streets like Walking Street and quite a few places in, in Patia that's that's like nearly like tourist attractions. People yeah. will walk down these streets and see all these girls at these bars kind of hanging it's out. It's all like the ping pong shows and all that sort of different stuff. Different things like that. Yeah, yeah and then you get little yeah. alleyways and the further the alleyways go down, the more seedy it gets and yeah. so forth. And, and so Did you feel safe when you were there? Yes, probably part of it is because you're with the guys. Um, with the guys, and we always go in groups. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, and I won't say too much further, no, no, but um, but also I think you know, for me, uh, it was nearly being back in Johannesburg in a sense. Uh, you know, like it's it's still the for the for quite a few years, and still now. Sometimes when I talk to people, I'm always kind of looking past them when yeah, I'm yeah, talking. Yeah, saying what's around you, yeah, because sure yeah, you because yes, oh. and so so I was kind of it was nearly being right back in that zone for me, yep. and so it wasn't for me an issue at Plus, all. I learned behavior. As yes, we about that's earlier. right, that's right, yeah. and so. So, you know, I was in there and, and I saw this one young girl and I called her and asked her to sit next to me and then started chatting with her and she could see something was different about me and, and, and in the chat because you've got to be very careful what you obviously say and that and, and you don't want to tip your hand. But I kind of just let the conversation flow and then, then I kind of asked her, you know, at the end of, of, of spending already, uh, you know, a, a good hour and a bit with her, uh, um, asked her just quietly, you know, how did you get here? you know what's your story and 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 usually they won't say but she she opened up to me and she mm-hmm. and yes this girl you know I'll call her Sugi yep not her real name so just in the rest of this podcast if I use names they're not the real names that's fine all made up so because we, we always protect our girls you can call right me Brian I'm fine <laughs> there we go there thanks go. Brian <laughs> <laughs> and and so and so what we so I'm sitting next and I you know ask Sugi Sugi what what brought you in and you know and and she kind of quietly told me you know, she said four four months ago the, from from me meeting her, four months before, you know, she was in school, had her younger sister uh, who's 10 years old and they're both in school, life's good, their parents are both working, suddenly her dad dies. Just a sudden unfortunate accident, he dies. And then she could see very quickly there was financial pressure on her mum. Her mum was battling and, you know, in the emotions of losing the husband, but also they could see the stresses of finances because now just on her own wage alone and trying to look after both children, girls as well, it was starting to have a strain. And so out of the goodness of her own, in the kindness of her own heart, she said, Mum, how about I pull myself out of school and I'll just go to the big city and find a job. You know, I'll work in a restaurant, you know, wash plates or whatever I need to do to, to, to get, you know, to help you. And then that way my... My ten-year-old sister can stay in school, and let's see how it works out. And maybe once you've sorted things out, I can come back and go back to school, type of thing. So, unfortunately for Sugi, 
when she arrived in the city, the wrong guys got their hands on her and forced her into having to have sex with dirty johns that fly in from all over and around the world. Now imagine that you're in school. You've, How you've, old was she? Well, ish. Ish, around the, around the 15 years of okay. age. And so, and so. And did she look 15? No, I would say so. I would say so. She's, so you, it's, it's a big game there. They, they, they tell the girls to say they're 18, but everybody that goes and knows they're not 18. Yeah. Or, and so, but the thing is, like, if you looked at her, you think, well, she's not her age. Well, you could see that she was young. Yeah. You could see she's definitely under 18. And that's why, <laughs> that's why I asked her to come sit next to me. Yeah. If, if she looked like she was 18 or plus, I, I would have not done that. Yeah, of course not. Because our focus is, although we do rescue um, older, you know, over 18-year-olds that have been trafficked because it's just like if, if you see if you go into the ocean and you see somebody drowning, you're going to save them. Yeah, of course. If they've been trafficked, you're going to help them. So mm. you don't say, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, how old are you? 18, no, sorry. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, so yes, again, that's my guesstimate of her age because mm. we've got other ways of working out their real age, but um, at that stage I, I just yeah, I, I worked out quickly she's definitely underage. And so here, here she is and, she, and, she, and these guys are forcing her now to sleep with Dirty John's flying in from all over the world for her, selling a little body. And, you know, I looked at her and, and, and I asked her, Sugi, if you were able to stay in school, what was your dream? What was it that you wanted to do? You know, and this, was, this is the, you know, for me, this is what drives me. The, this is the heartbreaking thing when you could see her little, you know, her whole demeanor just dropped even more and, and you know, and and she, and I could see what she was about to tell me was something that was a dream, but was now shattered in yeah. pieces, and there was no zero hope that she'll ever fulfill that. And so, you know, she just kind of quietly mumbled and said, "Well, I wanted to become a school teacher." So here's a girl <laughs> that wanted to finish her school and then become an educator of the next generation. Through no fault of her own, circumstances changed. She went out of the goodness of her heart to go and find her work just to help her family and help her younger sister stay in school. And she's forced and railroaded to now selling her body to dirty johns that fly in from all over the world. It's disgusting. Now that's what drives me. Wow. That was, that's what drives me every day is the sugis out there. Mm. That if... What makes us different from a lot of other organizations, and there's some great organizations out there, because this is a big problem we're we fighting, yeah, of course. Is, is that we go into these places undercover, but we go into them looking for them because they cannot put their hands up and say, here, help mm -hmm. me. And it's like I, I've used this example last time I spoke to you. It's like we get in Australia to use the Australian cultural vernacular. It's like talking about when we talk about surf lifesaving. Mm -hmm. You get the lifesavers that are on the beach, but you also get the over the national arm, and they're the ones that do the educating. They'll say swim between the flags, watch out for the rips, which are very all important things. So when tourists come in, we've got the big. It's all through the national, you know, the surf lifesaving. That part of the surf lifesaving, you know, telling people, trying to protect people. Which is, and there's a lot of organizations out there that yep. do that and do a phenomenal job. But if you in the water and you find yourself in trouble and you're starting to drown, you want a lifesaver right there on that oh, beach. Oh, yeah. And that's us. We go into the dark places, the places that nobody else will want to go into, and we go and find these girls and then we pull them out of that.
It's beautiful, and it's a, it's an absolute wonderful thing to do. What happened to Sugi? So what what happened actually with that whole? We 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 actually ended up doing a whole raid on the place. Oh really? Yeah. So everybody got set free out of that. So so and that's why raid. Did she say you again? No. So what happens also with us is because I was just there for a yeah, short of time, course. you know, and um, and what happens also is we what happened is uh, um, you know I'll tell a story from uh, Damo who's who's uh, we use different names for our guys, but yeah, of course. But uh, Damo, um, he's head of our international rescues, and so um, he made a decision kind of in early days to separate out from once the girls are rescued and they're taken to our rescue centres is that that's the last time there's contact between them and the uh, rescue Rescuer. agents yeah. because it protects the girls and also the identity of yeah, our of guys. So, so and here's a case in point. He, uh, um, you know, he, we've got certain nations. If I can go just quickly back. Yeah, of course. And uh, We're in seven different countries. So we've got our disclosed nations and our undisclosed nations. Mm-hmm. Undisclosed nations are nations that we cannot mention because for political sensitive reasons. Yep. The countries don't like that the, there's any attention brought to the fact that they are battling and having problems with uh, trafficking, especially sex trafficking of children. Mm-hmm. So we operate there, but we don't broadcast it to exactly which country because we've we've had places where the government just doesn't like the fact that we brought attention to the fact that... Of course. So, so but of the nations I can mention is we're in the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in Thailand, Cambodia, the Philippines, um, and then we've got our other undisclosed nations, and so, and, and so Damo was in in Thailand, and he had come down from northern Thailand, um, and and God came up to uh, um, he had to pick a, catch a flight to one of our undisclosed nations the following morning. So he arrived quite late, stayed in a motel close to the international airport, and was going to just fly out. So one o'clock in the morning, he's tired. He's got to fly out early the next morning. Didn't want to go to one of our undisclosed nations. Mm-hmm. Purely, he was just tired and he was grumpy and, you know, he's like, <laughs> and, and he was, you know, you know, he was just having a real proper whinge, you know, just complaining to himself. <laughs> and, and and so he decided, okay, I can't sleep. I don't want to be here. But, you know, I'm just, because our guys work seven days a week, basically. Yeah. So it just, you know, he was just having an off time. And he was just like, man, you know, and so he's walking. He remembered there was a 7-Eleven just down the road. So he's walking at 1 o'clock in the morning, kind of kicking stones, still complaining. And, <laughs> and even in his mind saying, man, I know we make a difference, but how much of a difference we make? You know, he's just he's just having a good moan. Yeah. And he's walking. And as he came to the came close to the 7-Eleven and he could see under the lights there of the, the hue of the 7-Eleven, he saw these two figures and... They both were kind of just focused on him. The next minute, he just hears them calling out, Damo, Damo, and they and they start running to him. And he's like, and as they came pretty close to him, he could he recognized them. They were two girls that he had been involved in personally rescuing for like five years before oh, in wow. northern Thailand. And they came and they just jumped, you know, and they hugged him <laughs> and he hugged them. And then... You know, it's like, oh my, and he's like, what are you girls doing here? You know, and he's like, because this was like more semi-industrial, close to the airport, semi-industrial, yeah, yeah. it's not a tourist spot. And and there was some night markets for shift workers yeah. there. Um, but like, what are you guys doing here? And and they said, oh, didn't you know? They said, we, we, we're working as nurses just at this hospital. And they pointed oh. to the hospital. And because we had the separation of that you don't stay in touch with the yep. girls that you rescue, um, is the is the fact that 
he didn't know that once they were rescued, re- Destiny Rescue paid for them to become nurses because that's what they wanted to become, wow. become nurses. And then they were actually working here. So talk about serendipity <laughs> of all places for him at one o'clock in the morning. Isn't that amazing? But he said that was just such a bomb for the soul. Yeah, he could, for sure. And, and just the thing he was kind of complaining about because he, he was unaware of what, where they'd yeah, been. Where they'd been yeah. yeah. And here were two girls. And then the funny thing about this as well, right at that moment he saw this couple walking towards them and he didn't realize the, these girls were with the couple. And they were, you know, calling out to the couple and said, hey, the guy we were just telling you about, this is him. It's him. <laughs> and so talking about a whole serendipitous moment amazing? in life. And... So yeah, that's to answer gotta, your that's question, that's going to give him a boost. Oh, totally. <laughs> and 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 so to answer your question, yes. So, so we don't know um, because of the of 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 the separation of yeah, roles. Of course. But and that's the thing. Once they get rescued, they go to our rescue centres. And so what's a rescue centre? Rescue centre is is firstly where they get kind of, if you want to say, it's it's, it's kind of strong to process. But that's where we book yep. them in, and. So they, they can stay there? They, it's, like, they, yes. it's like a house yes, or, a, yes, yes. or whatever? Yeah. That's right. So they stay there and, um, you know, what happens to a lot of the girls when they get there, majority of them, they'll sleep for two days flat out. Yeah. And we let them just sleep for two days because here's the first time that they can sleep without worrying those footsteps coming down the hallway. Is, is that another uh, abuser that's coming yeah. to abuse me? So so they literally just sleep for for, for for a couple of days flat out. And then, then, then... Then we start assessing them. And so we've got social workers and community workers. So mm-hmm. the social workers will obviously help them because we've got to take them, you know, help them with trauma counsel yeah, and, and a lot of, you know, and then find out exactly their journey as well. The community workers will work out their journey and where they've come from because our community workers will actually go back to their their, their villages, et cetera, and to work out was there already some sort of abuse there at home? Okay. Were the Come parents back to the source? Yeah. Were, were the parents involved in the in the um, or sometimes family members involved in the actual trafficking? Mm-hmm. Like we've you know we've had cases. They in the in the year I've just got to stress this is the minority. Yeah, right? of course it is. Uh, because sometimes people think it's just the majority. No, a lot of parents are totally naive. weren't involved in the whole trafficking component. But we've had we've had where a, a, a young girl. Uh, her mother died. Her aunt took uh, took took over care of her, and you know had a seemingly happy life for for, for quite a few years. And then when she was twelve, unbeknownst to her, her aunt started giving her hormone tablets to to let things grow a bit bigger, quicker with the idea, and then ended up selling her to a brothel. So the aunt, who was her carer, at she that sold her. sold her off to a brothel. Talk about. You know, your trust level's totally being destroyed. Wow. So so, so they go and assess how did the child get in that position. And a lot of times it is you'll find that certain communities get targeted by these crime syndicates. So they'll send in a lot of times a female or sometimes a male, but they'll send in a female that will go to these villages and say, hey, who's looking for work knowing that there are families that are battling? Or they'll do things like they'll go and position themselves in a village or have somebody there in the village and they'll say, they'll target a family that's battling financially and then say, hey, you know me around the village, yeah, maybe seen you or yeah, I'm yeah. a good guy, how about I lend you some money and for knowing that they can't pay it back. Yeah, of course. And then when they see, the, obviously they can't pay it back and say, hey, I'm, I'm still a, you know, a real good guy, I can see you battling. How about 
you know, I can see a battling looking even off their family. How about I take your child and she can come and work for me. I own a restaurant in another city. You know, she can come work for me at the restaurant and that way help pay off your debt. But also, you know, I'll look after her as well, like my own daughter, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and they think, man, this is the answer to their prayers or yeah, whatever it is. And they, they end up sending their child to thinking this is all good but don't realize that this is just a big setup to to force their child into and so into into sex trafficking yeah, and so once we and in case in point if you don't mind I'll just share a story with you um lovely to but, it's um, the whole idea of a podcast yeah so it's <laughs> and once again made up names but we've got yeah. Cassie and um Cassie was a 14 year old girl um her family in a rural area were farmers and she was uh, she was the oldest of, of of seven children, and and her uh, um, uh, or she was part of seven children. There might have been a few bit older than her, yeah. and um, and her parents just said, "Listen, Cassie, we we're battling. Can you go and find work uh, um, just to help the family? We're just battling feeding all the all the mouths and and just not making enough because it's subsistence farming, and and so so." She, you know, she she went and she actually spoke to her, her friend in in the village and said, "Where can I find work?" And the friend naively said, "Well, why don't you go to the bigger city, you know, which is three hours away, mm. just to see if you can find work there? Maybe you can find work at a restaurant or something, you know." And and you know, naively she she hitched a ride with a with a truck or you know, Australian vernacular, a Ute, yep. and jumped on the back of a Ute and. Took the three-hour trip and the you dropped her off at a bus stop. But when we say bus stop, it's not what we see as a bus stop. It is a place where people are dropped off on and off. But they usually have kind of nearly like a U-shape around where the bus stop is, is all these bars. Okay. And when I say bars, they're basically brothels. Yeah. Like bars. City. And as soon as she got dropped off, a mama's son, with a female manager of one of these bars, walked out straight out to her and said, Hey, where are you from? You know, very opportunistic, and and she, you know, she said where she's from, and said, "Oh, you're looking for work?" So yeah, I want to work in a restaurant, you know, or, or just just I'll clean dishes. Just very eager to find work mm-hmm. um, as a 14 year old, and you know, and and she was very naive, 14 year old virgin, no idea about anything you know, really of the bigger things of life because she's always worked, went to school and worked on her family yeah, family course. farm. You know, every every moment she wasn't in school, and so. And so Cassie, you know, the lady said, oh, well, I own just this bar right here, uh, you know, or I manage this bar. Why don't you come with me? You can work in my bar and all you have to do is talk to customers and every now and then maybe go on a date with a customer, but, you know, it's all fine right there, nothing to – and so she just very naively thought, well, okay, I don't know what – she didn't even You're really – You're going to pay me money, that's fine. Let's yeah, but, but she didn't even realise, you know, when they said date, she had no clue what was waiting for her. And yep. so, so she goes into the premises, and here I've got to warn your viewers, this will get a bit graphic. So mm. I, no, that's fine. But, but this is the reality we face, okay? So, and so Cassie goes in. And anyway, they put her in a room and say, here's some clothes we want you to wear and it's a skimpy little clothes and now she's really confused what's going on. And now this happened five times to her in her period that she was there. Um, and in the five times, it was between three and four four guys. But, you know... At a time. Yeah, at a time. Would walk in, but three to four guys walked into, into her room and locked the door behind them and started progressing to gang rape her. And she tried fighting them off and they just beat her up till she submitted and they gang raped her that whole night. But here's the thing. So while at her most vulnerable, emotionally soul-destroying 
moment in her life, these guys were videotaping it as well. Wow. And they sold that as pornographic material to pornographic sites. So now not only is she totally violated in so many ways, but she's got the thought in the back of her mind and that's what they use to control her is that they've sold this, Who's, who else is watching my yeah. moment of, of absolute shame. And this is not, unfortunately, this is not a one-off story. So many girls have had the same type of story. So this happened five times just to her? Just to her. And so many girls have had the same where they get kind of broken in. Wow. They get gang raped to break them in. And then they utilize, they'll use fear, coercion, drugs, everything else just to keep them kind of in, in tow and with no hope at all. And, and so, so when our rescue guys got there, they, you know, that she came over to them and saw, we saw that there's a child and they called her over and, and, and she, you could see his face filled with fear because this is she doesn't want to be there. But yeah, so every course. client is basically raping this girl because and some clients she would tr still try and fight and then they would just bash her around and then just give in. And so so it took a couple of visits with us because at that moment there's zero trust level. Oh, 100%. And we look like we're there for a good time. Yeah, of course. So we just look like, you know, like I truly look like the perpetrators that go into these places. Mm -hmm. There's... And, and they're from all over the world, you know, with Germans, you name it, from South America, you know, all over, men fly into these countries. And if I can take a little segue here, this yeah. is what these organizations have worked out is that if, if I'm a drug, if I'm a drug dealer, so I, let's just use, you know, South African accent, let's yeah. just put it in. So I'm producing somewhere in, out in Bush Bush, I'm, I'm producing, uh, 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 I'm manufacturing drugs, right? Yeah. Now, I'll use you as an example, mm -hmm. if you don't mind. Very attractive young man. Yeah, very attractive young man <laughs> that lives in Australia. So I've got to have this whole supply chain now to get my product to you. Yeah. So it goes through intermediaries, et cetera, got to get it in the country, you know, run the gauntlet with that and then finally get it to you. You use it once. Now I've got to start the whole process again mm -hmm. to keep it going. Where they learned that they can take, and I'll use this glass of water. Yeah. But they can put a child in a specific location, and people will fly from all over the world to come and abuse that child. So that child will produce for them over and over and over, and they just have to be in their own geographic area. They don't, they don't have to go anywhere. That's why this is the fastest growing illegal industry in the world. Because... <laughs> Not often I'm stumped for words. But that's the reality we face out there. And so the case with Cassie... She's an example of many girls that we've rescued. So you rescued Cassie? Yes. So what we did, we, we, we told her within after a couple of visits, this is what we quietly told her, this is who we are, this is what we want to do. And she, and she immediately said yes, hopped, you know, we, 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 we paid the bar fine to book her out to go as if we're going to abuse her at a hotel room. And I we can get takeaway. Well, basically, that's what they do. A lot of times, you'll have, some places will have little dingy little rooms that you can go into yeah. and and abuse the and, and abuse the child, or you can book them out. So we we obviously book them out as if we're going to have a good time, yeah. And then we disappear with the child. But here's the thing: that we can go back to the same place again, and these guys they don't they don't if a child disappears, they don't even bat an eyelid. For them, there's no difference between selling that child or a bottle of beer. Zero difference for them. It's just a commodity. What's it cost? 
to book out a child? Huh. Oh, it varies wildly from country to country in different places, but can be anything from, you know, $90 hour. We're talking Australian dollars, mm. $90 to maybe $200. That's nothing. That's a, just a, that's eating out. And are these kids, do they get any of that money? What happens? Or do they get looked up? Not looked after. Yeah, completely the wrong word. Yeah, but but, yeah, th- but do they get fed and watered and everything from the perpetrator? Yes, yes, because they keep them obviously control and and so this is so how do they send money back to mum? Oh, a little bit. So, so they do. So so mum mum's in the little village thinking, oh, big Sally's gone and now working in the big city and I'm yeah. getting a paycheck. Some do, and some just disappear and don't. There's no no there's no money back. Some do send money back, but they don't know what the child. So, you yeah, know, of course, a little segue there. We never tell the parents when we uh, if if the child is safe to go back home. We never tell the parents where we found the child. Yeah, because it's up to the child to 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 say that we don't want to break that that trust. Mm-hmm. But also, some of these cultures will actually, even though the child's totally not their fault, will actually reject the child. Yeah, they'll blame the they'll, child. Yes, and they'll reject the family. So, we we make sure we look after them all the way through, and and so with like in Cassie's case. You know, we rescued her, we took her, we booked her out, we took her and she drove off with us in the night. And when we got to our rescue centre, what we do a lot of times, we'll actually text and the, the girls, other girls that have been rescued will come out and greet her. And when she saw those girls and she saw the thing, she was so elated. Mm. And then she did what, you know, they all do, went and slept for two days yeah. flat out. And we spoke to her afterwards and said, you know, we get different reactions, but yours was so over the top. You know, we just wanted to find out what. And she said, when I said yes to go with you guys, I actually didn't believe that this could be true. Mm-hmm. But I was so desperate. I was willing to take a chance and I didn't know what was lying on the other side of that decision. So when she saw those kids come out, she realized it she was realized real, it was real and, it, and it was the truth. And that blows your mind. It does. Seriously, it, it does. Like, and and so wow. So that you've got to be that desperate that you're willing to go with a total stranger, and just take that chance. And so once they're in our rescue centres, that's when we help them with medical help as well because. You know, like I said, like Cassie's case, she's been raped, you know, multiple times. And so there is medical help, you know, physical yeah. medical help she needs. And so we, we give, get them and they get medically checked and also checked for STDs and a whole bunch of things mm-hmm. as well. And then we also assess them where their education level's at and then start setting them up with education and then help them with trauma counsel and different things that we help them with. But we also believe in a, in, in a principle of you feed a man a fish you feed them for one day, yeah. but you teach them how to fish. They can they can feed themselves and their family for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. It's a very basic principle, but that's what we believe in because it's one thing you're just rescuing them, but we've also got to stop them actually getting into that position what yeah, they got them the first time. So we put them through different. We've got different uh, other groups that we work with because we can't do everything. It's mm-hmm. financially impossible, but so we've got great groups that actually feed off and that will help girls and specialists. Uh, education levels in different areas, but we've also got in-house education, uh, little vocational courses we put in. And so, you know, for example, in Cambodia, we've got the hair and beauty makeup course that, that we do, and I was I had the privilege to go there and, you know, talk with it the girls. It didn't take them long to do your hair, though. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so you got to chat to them, and, and what's their feedback on all this? Well, for them, it's it's it's... 
a lot of them go through different each you can't say one size fits all because a lot of them are in different levels of the trauma that they've gone yeah, through. Yeah, of course. So some of them might be still drawn back and 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 still processing what they're going through. But all of them, once they've gone through that, you know, some, you know, we, we, that for example is a two-year program that they go through. All of them are just so elated that the appreciation, oh, must massively, be massively, and so like for example, we had. To, Two two uh, um, two sisters that were trafficked together, and fortunately we found them together because a lot of times they'll be split up. Yeah, but w- they were together, so we rescued them and we put them through this program in in, in Cambodia. And once they finished, like even when I was there, they 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 painted my nails. They wanted to they wanted to practice on me, so I'm yeah. a, I'm a guinea pig. I've got my nails, <laughs> and they painted it like this 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 deep purple color. And then they hit the nail remover. Yeah. So I had to walk around with this, with this, <laughs> and I had a few, yeah, I had a few, few people, you know, walking the streets, just having a good giggle at this guy wearing these. They probably went like crazy, white, <laughs> you know. But but that's a wonderful thing because you've changed their lives. You you've actually well, you, well, you've given them life. Well, well, this is the whole thing. That's why we call Destiny Rescue. For case in point, with these two, you know, and plenty of stories like yeah. this. But case in point is these two sisters that we rescued. So we. We train them up to do hair and makeup and be- and 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 nails and you know a little beauty salon training, and once they were finished, uh, we we our community workers worked out it was safe for them to go home. The parents had no idea, so we we sent them back home, but with all the equipment they needed, all the gear they needed, so a whole startup kit and everything, to start up their own little business and. And, and 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 so we follow them up with these girls. Yeah. So we don't just send them in that. So we, we actually keep on following up with them. And so when we followed up with them is they had this little wooden shack uh, um, in, the, in, in the middle of their little town's, uh, town area and they were running this beauty here, uh, uh, a, a beauty salon, and that was the number one place where all the villagers went to. So really? they were making enough money and profit that they were not only looking – but they were looking after their whole family, their siblings and everybody. Isn't that amazing? And that's why, you know, coming back, we're called Destiny Rescues because we – Yes, we rescue them so that they can choose which way they want to go. And, and for example, in Cambodia, they're also – we've got that program, but we've got plenty, many other programs we can put them up with. So we had this one girl that she was just kind of – that wasn't her thing, and she was kind of battling, you know. You know and so we were trying to work out what will work for her. And, and our, um, actually, the head of our um, aftercare service there saw uh, saw that in her off time she was just doing these drawings, but quite amazing drawings, you know, and little good little artists. And thought, wait a minute, that's the key for her. So we, as Destiny Rescue, paid for her to go to an arts local art school, and this art school was in the Japanese style of art. Oh, so, yeah. Yes, so she – and she really worked hard and it was like fish to water. She just excelled in it and you could see life coming back into her and, and suddenly it's because the thing is also to get them to see that, yes, they, they've been a victim of horrendous crime, but that, that, that shouldn't define them, that they have a hope and they have a destiny. They have a direction they can choose for their own lives. And so, so this was her key. And to see her then just go, and she just was fish to water, and she really worked hard. And once she finished with that, um, uh, we then looked, tried to see if we could find for her work in that arena. Yeah. And so, um, as things would happen, there was an international uh, company uh, um, that was attached to an international movie making company, um, a movie studio, and they wanted to start up a, a, a digital digital uh, um, company for for digital animation. In, in Cambodia. Wow. And so 
So she went for an interview. Yep. And we organised the interview for her. She went for the interview. So they picked her to become an intern and to learn the art of digital animation. animation. And she did it, excelled in it, did great, and then they offered her a permanent position. So she's now a digital animator. Isn't that amazing? Yes. So it's what a great story. And and there's plenty others like that. But it's it's just for, for us as we work out which direction is the best for the child, the best of our abilities, and then give them the tools to go and do that. Because some of them want to go back to the villages, and it is you know the World Health Organization says it's best if you can reunite them with their families. Yeah, of course. Because you don't want instant. You want to step away from institutionalized care. And as much as possible, get them back if it's safe. Obviously, if it's not safe, they stay around with, you know, with us and we'll put them with other avenues that they can mm-hmm. go. And and like I said, we've rescued as young as um, 17-month-old baby right up to past 18. So it's it's we've rescued all ages. So that's amazing what you do for these girls. What about – and there's no other way to put this. I've been trying to work out the best way. But what about the sick fuckers that actually go overseas to actually do this? What happens to them? Well, who catches them? Who puts them away? Who does to them what they do to these little kids? Seventeen month old baby. That's disgusting. I know. So, so we've we've. Uh, do you catch any? We've we've had cases that we help different federal police agencies. Yeah, I know you can't get yeah. any. Yeah, yes, yeah, so I can't. Yeah, I can't. But what I mean, mate, at a high level, yeah. have you guys you guys assist by actually? Yeah, we've we've, we've assisted. The Australian Federal Police, and we, we've had for quite a while. The FBI would send um, two agents uh, per year to come over and spend some time with us in Thailand, following up pedophiles that have been travelling from their country yeah. into Thailand and places. So yes, we've assisted other federal agencies. That and they've put people away. Yes, that's all that matters. Yeah, get, get them off the streets. Yeah. Okay, you mentioned. But obviously, earlier. that's more a byproduct for us. Oh, of course, it's our not what focus you do. is the risking those kids. Hundred percent. But at yeah. the same time, if we can actually eradicate those sick fuckers off the planet, then yes. that, that's a good thing. And and that's where the raid rescues also really help because we closing the whole thing and close. Yes, it down. and close it down. So you, we actually effectively are impeding those operations. Yeah. So yes, we rescue them. What we would call COVID rescues, but the raid rescues are bringing great indents into oh, for sure. these organisation structures. So you mentioned before that you've got you, you've just had your first cyber rescue. Yes. So what's, what's a cyber rescue? So what happened is we, we've seen that you know it's amazing how criminal organisations can adjust, adjust oh, yeah, sometimes yeah. much quicker than, That's than COVID. We Let's move. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So COVID's brought a lot of cyber-related uh, abuse and so forth for, uh, for, forward quicker. And so what happened is in um, in in England. The English police there, um, I believe it was the federal police there, did a raid on on, on a suspected pedophile's um, premises, mm-hmm. and on on his mobile phone, they found pornographic material of a two-year-old boy being molested by by a, a man. And what happens is, there was this two-year-old boy, and they worked out it was in the Philippines. So they then contacted the NBI, the National Bureau of mm-hmm. Investigation, in the Philippines. Who then brought us in and asked us to come and help and assist them with this with this case? So our guys then infiltrated because what this guy was using was on the dark web. He was selling pornographic material of the stepdad of molesting his two-year-old son, and selling it to pedophiles through a special online method. That's and disgusting. and what's happening now as well with COVID, and this is the type of stuff we deal with, is is that you'll get now directed. 
um, abuse. So somebody will be sitting in another country because they can't fly there anymore, but they'll sit there and they'll they'll direct somebody else how to abuse that child online while they view it. And and so we infiltrated. I know, and we infiltrated this this network, and so our guys had to go through, you know, sit there and go through receive this pornographic material, but it was all to try and set up the fact that we could rescue this this boy. But we had to receive this course, stuff. Yeah. You know? And so so our guys really worked hard on this and then then started communicating with this with this with the stepdad and because he was also offering his child up his boy up for sex for pedophiles that can can fl- come and fly in. Like I told you, people flying from all over the world. And so we set up this thing that we're we're Westerner flying in and anyway no one want to give away too much. But mm. um it ended up being a combined operation with Destiny Rescue, the NBI, and actually the English Federal Police. And we set up this thing in a, in a hotel, in a, a hotel foyer. Our uh, Destiny Rescue agent that had been communicating with him had set up the appointment and he came in, um, received money from us and handed over, you know, brought oh. the child right there in the open in, in, in this place and wow. hand over his two-year-old boy oh. for us to, you know, Go and abuse molest. up in the go and molest in the in in the up in our hotel room, and as soon as he handed over the child, he received the money, and as soon as he handed over the child, the police we closed in, and we actually formed the physical human barrier between him and the his and the child. child, and then the child I'm happy to say got got taken out of the out of he this perpetrator's hands and is now on a path of of of. <sighs> of of having uh, learning what a normal life is supposed and the to be. And obviously got arrested. Yes, and him and his wife because his wife was complicit in it. She was. And that so that come from England. Yes. And wow, that's pretty impressive from the coppers. Oh, many, isn't it really? Much so, much so. <laughs> it's like I know I know police get a bad name at the moment, but when you, when you see hear stories like that, yes. that that's amazing. And no. hats off to these people. Totally, and, mate. The fact that your guys had to actually see that vision that's that's bad enough, but. The fact that they could actually pull that sting off um, and not physically kill that bloke—they're a lot stronger than I am. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's where I really got even more. You know, when I was doing some of the undercover work in, in that little short stint, was you there? And some of the places, there's nothing left for the imagination. They've got these girls dancing up and poles yeah. and and. A lot of times they're wearing in barely anything. But guys were actually, and this is more the little side alleys. Yeah, yeah. The further away you go from the main street, the more darker it gets. And, you know, guys were doing things to girls right there, mm. right there. And you had to do everything in you. To not rip their throat out. To will not want to take him and drive his head through the wall because mm. it's all about that girl, that, that child you're sitting next to. Yeah. And that's what keeps our guys focused is it's about that one life. You know, and there's this old story of, you know, and, and I know the listeners probably would have heard this many times, but it's the story of this guy comes to the beach early in the morning, wants to go for a walk, and he sees he sees that he sees a gentleman down there already on the shoreline and he sees like thousands of starfish that got washed out. And he sees this guy bending down and takes a starfish and then chucks it back in the water and basically barely takes another step, bends down, take another starfish, throw it in the water. And he just looked at this and in his mind he thinks this is a total exercise in futility. And he kind of walked up to the guy and said, mate, what are you doing? There's literally thousands of them there. Why are you even bothering throwing, you know, throwing them? You can't help. You can't save them all. Mm. And the guy kind of looked at him, bent down, took another one and chucked in the water and said, 
yes, you're, you're probably right, but for that one, it's 100% change. <laughs> and that's how we view it. Is, you know, there's a, you, we, we, yes, our, our vision and mission statement is we want to keep on doing this till this scourge is eradicated in the world. Right. But we do it, but our focus is that we do it one, one at, a, at, a time. at a time. It's an amazing story. You're an amazing man and what you do is unbelievable. How can people help? Is it money? Is it getting more people involved? How can others help what you guys do? Well, firstly, it is money, you know, and if, if, if I can, the more money we've got, because we are 100% not-for-profit organisation. Yep. So money equals raids and rescues. Like a raid, for example, you know, working the uh, – this is some are higher, some are lower. Mm -hmm. But uh, an actual physical rescue, never mind aftercare or anything, but a physical rescue of a child, the average cost for us is about 1500 Australian, right, mm -hmm. uh, dollars. And then a raid is $10,000. But with the raid, you shut the place down, You there's so much – because there's so much more manpower yeah, and a lot of things that I don't want to give away our secrets yeah, yeah, of course that we've got to do to rescue these children. Yeah. So, so finances are 100% – the, the big thing for us. The more we can have, the more we can rescue. Like we've got in the Philippines alone, we've got a whole lot of rescues just waiting to happen. All it needs is finances. And, and you know, in kind of the, our Philippines division, for example, there was once when we had a raid and we had to do it urgently because they were about to move the children, is that our staff there had a quick meeting and said, okay, m money's coming through but not in time. We're willing to go without wages this week so that we can do this right. Well, you can see what type of people are involved here. Listen, I take that's the, that's, the people that work with Destiny Rescue, there's each one. I just, you know, for me, meeting staff there and even everybody I've been interacting with, just we've, we've got amazing people. And like I know you were talking to me, but I'm just one little component Maybe of this amazing story team. And that's this amazing team. So how can people find out more? Is there a website? Is yes, there social media? Yes. What's, the, what's the story? So, so one of the best ways people can help also is we've got a program called De A Rescue Partner. And if you don't mind, I'll just want to go. Right. So go with, with Rescue Partner is we love if people want to keep one of donations, they can go on to www.destinyrescue.org, and they can go and there immediately this donate button that nearly mm -hmm. pops up. Yep. And please donate. But if 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 I can ask your listeners, if they don't when they donate, not just if when they donate, yeah. if they can please, there's a comment section. Please mention your podcast. Yeah. Because. I just would love to come back to you at some stage. Oh, and so just, would I. You know, we'll save someone. You know, yes, and exactly. So if they can please mention your podcast uh, in the comment section. Yeah. But so they can give one of donations or one thing that really helps us with cash flow because this is all about cash flow for us is rescue partners. And rescue partners, when they go on to, they can click rescue partners, but that's a month, monthly donations, mm -hmm. right? And with rescue partners, it's where they partner with us and whatever amount they can, they decide they want to do, they put down whether it's $50 or 100 or whatever. People are, you know, everybody's in a different place. But when they go on, there will be an amount that says $48, but they can change it to anything. Mm -hmm. if, if, if they can only afford $10, that's what they can put down. Yep. So, but rescue partners is really what we'd like to see people okay, get involved so I'm going to do this right now, right? Yep. We, as the production house here at Podfire, we're going to become a rescue partner, okay? Oh, we're going nice. to do that today. But what I want to challenge every single person that listens to this, yeah, goes to destinyrescue.org, is that right? Yes. Hit either donate or hit 
rescue partner and then let's get this done because oh, what we want to do is let's change the world. Like yes. this is actually a way someone can change the world. That's and right. That's what we're all here to do and to be able to actually physically do that. I don't want any credit for this, right? That's not what I'm no, doing but this that's for. that's really But awesome, the thing man. is whoever this goes out to anywhere in the world, destinyrescue.org, jump on there and push donate. Yes, please. Let's do it. Thank Let's you so it. much. Mate, as you know, you did this for me last time. The way I love to finish my podcast is to ask you some quick fire questions. Sure. What's your greatest achievement in life? Being part of Destiny Rescue. Who's the person or people who have had the biggest influence in your life? My wife. Favourite food? Favourite. Oh. Come as on. You, as you can see, I'm a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love all foods. Um, can I have one? I've got to have one. Okay, my one would be oh, – it changes so many times. I actually – there's the Syrian there's the Syrian meatball dish that I just love. <laughs> You're making me hungry now. <laughs> Favourite song? Favourite song is – oh, now you've got me. There's so many. Um, okay, I'll, I'll go but, but back in time. It's R.E.M. Losing My Religion. Oh, what a great song. Favourite place in the world? Oh, I would say I love where we live. I truly do. And and it's not a cliche. I think we live in the best place in the world. I agree a million percent on that one. So it is, I would say here. What's next for Mark? What's next for Mark is, is with my wife raising amazing children that will bring it, that themselves will have impact in life and keep on working with Destiny Rescue and seeing these children rescued. That's, I love, I love what I do. It's, I've hit my oh, sweet you can spot. feel it. You can feel that you love what you do. And the thing to me is not only you but every single person that works at Destiny totally. Rescue is an awesome human. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate your story. Thanks so much, Brett. Really Thanks, appreciate mate. you. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. What an amazing human. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you enjoy the rest of the Podfire podcast and I really hope that you enjoyed Awesome Humans. Reach out to us on Podfire and all the social media channels as well as BJ Macker uh, to reach out to me personally. Have a great day.